Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Sarah Moore, the founder of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting, where the focus is on connection and mutual respect between adult and child. Sarah joins us to provide some wonderful insights and an introduction to her new book, Peaceful Discipline, Story Teaching, Brain Science, and Better Behavior. Sarah Moore, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I am very excited and so um, hopeful, inspired, if you will, to have this opportunity to share you and your work with our listeners, with our audience, because the, the work that you're doing with family, with parenting, with positive parenting, and now with a new book that I think is going to really be a, a wonderful and important resource or tool for anyone and everyone, Peaceful Discipline, I think, will uh, really be there, I think, or should be at everyone's fingertips, don't you think? Oh, well, you are so kind to say so. I do know this. We have a world full of people who are really hurting right now. So my sincere hope is to help bring some joy and connection and levity back not only to parenting, but back to all of the lives that we touch. And and you're right. We are... just uh, struggling in so many ways. The, we kind of go back maybe to the pandemic, but it it wasn't the cause of this. We were having a lot of issues prior to it. This was more like a, a pressure cooker situation that maybe brought more of it to light and, and really makes us aware of where our work needs to be. You're exactly right. A lot of people look at the pandemic and say, oh, things really went south then. But reality is, I love how you use the pressure cooker analogy, all it really did was bring to light a lot of the struggles that we were already having. So in a way, I like to frame it as a gift because now we know what we're dealing with and we know there's stuff to be fixed. So now is the opportune time to go ahead and start fixing it so we don't ever have to feel these kinds of tensions and struggles again within our family units and beyond. And so we are talking about this in in terms of parenting. And, you know, initially we might think, okay, parent, young child, or maybe even teenager. But I, I wonder if we could also keep in mind that this might be for instance, parenting our inner child, that we're, uh, we are the adult, we're the parent, but we've struggled because we perhaps had a very unhealthy childhood for, childhood for who knows what reasons. Uh, but how, that's the thing that I think maybe is a challenge for so many is to how to be this great parent when I didn't have that role model. And I think the book, of course, and, and who you are and the work you're doing is going to help. Thank you so much. And Kate, I've got chills. I am celebrating that you acknowledged the inner child that we all have, because I often talk about the inner child as being the silent participant in every interaction we have with the child in front of us, because our inner child is still there with all of the messages that he or she received in our own childhood about, am I worthy? Does my voice matter? What kind of stuff am I bringing into this relationship? And unless we take the time to be very intentional about healing that inner child and giving that inner child a voice, that inner child is just going to be a hindrance rather than a support 
for the relationship that we want to have externally. And all the healing really needs to start inside us first. And so in in many in, instances, I think then to know this, that that's going to be like a dual path where tr- we are walking, that we are acknowledging and healing our inner child, as we also have our own child to to nurture and to raise. And, and, and it's very possible to, to do that in a healthy and a very positive way, right? Absolutely it is. Yes, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it's yes. absolutely possible. And, you know, I talk a bit in the book, Peaceful Discipline, about the importance of looking at things like intergenerational trauma, if that's an issue for us, looking at our own family of origin, we might have grown up and decided, well, I turned out fine. But my invitation to parents and caregivers is to ask the question, could I have turned out more fine if I had the deeper level of support that I was truly needing as a child? And if so, How can I provide that level of attunement, responsiveness, unconditional love and compassion and empathy and all good things to the child in front of me? I want us to be more fine with every generation going forward. Yes. I, I I love that that we we can say, Oh, I'm healthy, but we can always be healthier and and just always growing and becoming more of who we were meant to be. Not that things are bad, but that's the thing. In some cases they are kind of grim. And that too, uh I I, I I want to see how we can heal that and provide support to help all of us move forward together that uh, that it takes all of us. It does. It does. And it takes choosing healthy relationships around us. It takes, you know, self-acceptance in ways that are truly radical. We really have to be able to let go of many of the narratives that we had about ourselves when we were growing up. For example, when I hear really often from any adult, doesn't even have to be a parent, but any adult, if they start to show emotion, first thing they do is apologize. Say, oh, I'm so sorry I shouldn't be crying, or oh, I'm so sorry I'm having this big reaction. What if we were able to meet ourselves with grace and compassion and say, you know what? Your tears make sense. You're supposed to cry. You're supposed to feel. You're not too sensitive. There was nothing about you that was ever too sensitive. What you're being is human. And I think step number one really begins with accepting all of our emotions as messengers and as helpers. They are here to tell us that we feel something and that we need something. And if we can welcome them as messengers, that is the first step toward healing not only our inner child, but also the child in front of us, because when the child in front of us starts having their big feelings, there will no longer be any part of us that says they shouldn't be feeling that because that's not a safe emotion. All emotions are safe. It's what we do with those emotions that becomes the critical point to consider. Yes, and I think that's where we where, where there is so much hurt so much pain and and stuff that is erupting that's not not positive in our world is where that's not acknowledged and and I, I don't know what what's going on whether people just want to ignore it or they feel they should be different and therefore they stuff it and become perhaps uh, m- more negative more angry about things 
Oh, exactly. Yes. And it's one of the reasons that we need to be so intentional about accepting our emotions, because I don't know about you, Kate, but I firmly believe that the world does not need more angsty adults with all of these repressed emotions that, you know, are just looking for an outlet. Where can I explode? Where can I let out my big feelings? Whatever. Instead, we can befriend our emotions and model for our children how to do that as well. And suddenly you have a whole society of people who says, I make sense. And I get to feel how I feel, and I get to express my feelings in ways that do no harm. And that is really the crux of peaceful discipline and of nonviolent communication in general. It's I get to show up for you in ways where I can teach you, ways that I can model the kind of behavior I want to see without blaming you, without shaming you, without making you feel worse for being or feeling whoever you are or whatever you do. So this book, Peaceful Discipline, subtitle, Story Teaching, Brain Science, and Better Behavior, then captures the essence of where this is coming from and what we can learn. And it's something that, you know, most of us, I dare say, didn't learn. And that's why having it available in this way and, and approaching it whether it's just on our own or particularly if we are a parent and, and want to create this better future and give our child that better foundation so that they are that much further ahead. Exactly. Yes. You know, some people ask me, well, what's the better behavior? Is this just a book about how to control our children? Absolutely not. Behavior, better behavior goes both ways. It's not only the child's behavior, but frankly, it's the adult's behavior too. And I do it in a way that hopefully comes across as completely non-judgmental, completely supportive. In fact, quick little tidbit here, when I told my very own daughter, who's nine years old, that I was writing a book about parenting, her first question to me ever so innocently was, Mama, is it about how to make mistakes? Because you're really good at that. Oh, no. <laughs> of course, I cracked up and I said, well, sweetheart, thank you. I appreciate that I'm good at making mistakes and hopefully repairing from the mistakes, too. And I actually do talk a lot in the book about mistakes that I have made. So I want to normalize for parents that there's no such thing as perfect parenting and that repair is such an important part of parenting and living well with other humans. We're going to mess up. But what do we do with that? So the better behavior isn't just about our kids. It's about how can we learn about our own brains and our own brain development, our children's brains and child development, and use this information for the greater good. And this is uh, this is so very personal. It's not uh, some psychology book, but it has psychology in it because that, that's been a passion of yours and obviously is here too. So here it, it's, it is very tangible in the sense that we can relate, I think, and, and use this with its guideposts for us. Oh, thank you. I certainly hope that that's the case. I definitely don't want anybody out there to feel that they are alone and struggling as a parent because, my goodness, humans living with humans, it's always going to be tricky. So what do we do with that? Hopefully some of these tools will give people some support in their very, very real day-to-day -day parenting. So in, in terms of the book and, and your writing it, you obviously felt, because you've been doing this work for some time, because I, I believe I, I read that you started... Uh, 
more in, intentionally when your daughter was just an infant? Yes, exactly. It started very specifically at my daughter's four-month-old well check with her pediatrician right there in that office because, and I've got this in the preface of the book as well, um, long story short, we went in just for a standard well check and she was doing well, she was thriving, everything was great. However, at one point, the pediatrician looked me in the eye and said, by the way, how's sleep? I said, well, honestly, she's still waking up a lot, which, by the way, is totally developmentally healthy and normal. But uh, I said to him, she's still waking up a lot, but holistically, she's getting plenty of sleep, and I know this too shall pass. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, you are ridiculous. Don't ever go to her when she cries. She's manipulating you. Let me know when you're ready to get serious about parenting. And... I picked my jaw up off the floor, and I essentially froze. I didn't know what to say. We went through the rest of the appointment, and I was basically speechless. But I was livid Mm -hmm. by the time we left the office that day. And I went home and started researching everything I could about child development and why we should pick up our children not only when they're infants, but also why we should support our children emotionally when they're older. And the more research I did, the more readily apparent it became to me that responsive, respectful, connection-based parenting really does have unequivocally the best outcomes for children, both short-term and long-term. So he was dealing with some very outdated information, but that being said, he was, I'm sure, saying it to a whole lot of people. So I became a mama on a mission, and realized that I wanted to start spreading the word as much as I could about the importance of parenting differently so that I could empower parents in the future who may have received similar advice and may be doubting themselves or questioning themselves so that they could say, you know what, that doesn't feel right to me. Where can I learn something else? Where can I do better? So that was really the impetus for the work that I did. And then, of course, I didn't want to be just some random mama on the Internet spewing advice. I went ahead and got all of the training and certifications that I would need so that people know when they read my book, when they go to my website, whatever it is, they know that everything I share is going to be evidence-based through the lens of compassion, connection, attachment, interpersonal neurobiology, on and on and on all of the validation people need to be able to say, actually, I can do better for my child. And it's really frightening to think that someone in that professional role who people would typically just respect, thankfully, you just stood your ground, even though it just stopped you in your tracks, but you didn't go back. But there, sadly, there are people, obviously, he was a practicing uh, pediatrician and had many patients. So to, to, to think of that being perpetrated, there's so much work then to be undone. And aside from, you know, I'm thinking more in general traumas that people face, but you could have this trauma just with your primary care doctor. Yes, Exactly. And between you and me and your listeners here, I confess that about a week ago, 
I sent a copy of my book to his office, <laughs> and now I've basically ducked for cover. You know, I'm sending it with compassion and with the hope that it will be peacefully received. But, oh, my goodness, I'm so curious to hear how this is going to land. Me, too. <laughs> but but the, you, you are, of course, coming at to this from a place of peace and love and want to to provide that and hopefully in well your daughter's nine so in these intervening nine years he's perhaps learned something and if not maybe this is going to be that that kind of jolt at wake-up call I hope so. You know, and I do actually say in the very end of the book that at this point, even though I was livid for a good many years, I'll confess I did not find peace with what he said for a good long time. But I now actually feel incredible gratitude to him because Mm. he really is the one who made me go from, you know, yes, I want to be a peaceful parent to, oh, my goodness, I want the whole world to know better. So now I feel nothing but gratitude for him because he lit that fire in my belly. And I, I thank him now for stirring me up. And, and that that's a beautiful lesson as well for all of us, Sarah, to take something that was so negative and how there was a gift in it and how you can come to the place of actually having gratitude. I, I think that's just so huge and amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I fully believe that forgiveness needs to be a part of this work. And honestly, that also applies to self-forgiveness. We often can give ourselves such a hard time as parents. You know, raise your hand out there if you did that one thing that one time or perhaps more than once with your child where you now look back, you know, you put your head in your hands and you think, I can't believe I did that to my child. I feel terrible. And we carry around this oppressive guilt, this heaviness. And the thing is, that's actually not going to serve us or serve the relationship long term. Instead, we get to reframe that, too, and say, number one, I had some unmet need at the time that I behaved that way. What was it? What was I feeling? What was I needing? In what ways did my behaviors actually make sense? Maybe I was simply repeating what I learned from my family of origin Mm. or something like that. There's always a lesson to be learned in our own behavior. And when we can meet ourselves with grace and with self-compassion, and when we can take the next step of, what do I want to do with this? Is this something for which I need to apologize? Is this something for which I need to practice visualization so that I know not to do it again and learn how to do that. I've got tools and resources in the book about some of how we can do this, but self-forgiveness is honestly one of the most important gifts that we can give ourselves, not only for our inner child, but also for our adult self and our parenting, because we're all going to mess up sometimes. And it makes me think about something I heard ages ago when I was in a, a Uh, something like a personal development seminar that said our parents did the best they could with what they knew at the time. It's not like they got up in the morning and said, well, I'm just going to go and mess up Johnny's life. (laughs) So so I think it's that same kind of idea for ourselves. It's, you know, if I messed up, I did the best I knew at the time. And and learn from that. I think maybe we can catch ourselves more in the moment now as we gain more awareness and, and grow with this. Gosh, you are so right. 
And the same holds true when we think about our families of origin. In this day and age, somebody can go out and buy peaceful discipline, or they can look at a peer-reviewed study on the internet or whatever it may be and say, oh, look, I can get the access to MRI results of children who were treated well versus children who were treated really poorly. Well, our parents didn't have access to all of these books, all of these online resources, all of these seminars and parenting summits and all these things. They were winging it. And honestly, we're still winging it too. But if we can realize that we are all doing the best we can without a very clear roadmap most of the time, and again, my hope is that this book will be a bit of a roadmap for some people, but most of the time we have to figure out what do I do in this moment? And we just do the best we can. Yes. And, and you know, as you've said, to, to be gentle with ourselves, to treat ourselves compassionately. Sometimes we, we can really beat ourselves more up more than we would to someone else, to a friend, a neighbor. So that, that's really important to keep in mind. It really is, yeah. And oftentimes we don't do this for ourselves. But even if we're not going to do it for ourselves, Sometimes an important paradigm shift is would I be willing to model self-compassion, self-care, and grace for myself so that my child sees it, so that they witness it, so that someday when they're struggling with something, they will know, well, if my parent can forgive themselves, maybe I'm worthy of forgiving too. And that is one of the keys to raising healthier, more resilient children who are able to accept their mistakes and learn from them rather than shame themselves for them. And and just sharing what you did about your daughter at nine, talking about making mistakes and, and feeling very safe to say what she did. She's <laughs> obviously a very aware child, but also the fact that she feels she can say something and that it's uh, it's it's uh what it's honest. It's coming from her heart, but she's not trying to be mean. It's that kind of a honest and open conversation that that doesn't have any kind of blame associated with it. You're absolutely right. In this at this point, I sort of joke to myself that she has pretty much become the peaceful parenting police for me because in those moments when I do step out of line and I do something or say something that isn't as gentle or as compassionate as I would like to be, she's the first one to call me out on it. And fortunately, I don't take myself so seriously that I have to be right and I have to prove her wrong or whatever. Instead, I get to say, wow, this actually is a gift and it becomes a virtuous cycle. Because then when she challenges me to be more peaceful, I become more peaceful. And she learns that her voice matters. She Mm. gets to stand up to people who aren't gentle with her. And in this way, she's going to change the world, as is every other child who is out there in the world today and feels the emotional safety to be able to stand up when something doesn't feel right to them and say, hold on, something needs to change here, and I'm not going to stand for anything less than we deserve. And to feel safe in that is so critical because it's so easy with so much loud, angry shouting going on around to be, to feel like one needs to cower. But to learn this at home, how to say something in such a, a kind 
and uh, you use word the word kindness, which I love so much in the book. But uh, being kind in it, she she is learning that. We want all of us to learn that so that we can model it and create that in our world. That's where we get to the to a peaceful place. Exactly. It really does create a ripple effect because what we do in raising children in this way is we raise change makers. We raise children who will say, you know what, those people over there don't, don't deserve that treatment. Let's do something about that. And it's incredibly empowering to watch these children know that they don't have to stand for anything other than respect and love and compassion and fairness and all of the things that we want them to stand up for. It's incredibly powerful. So in thinking about sharing with our listeners another, I think that this story was a great one, Uh, something else that might be a takeaway to try and and begin a step in that direction of communication, of, of the storytelling to really build this more peaceful future. Yes, absolutely. And there are really lots of different ways that we can use stories. We as humans are natural storytellers. So before anybody thinks, "Uh uh-oh, I'm out, I'm not creative, actually come back because if you have a brain, you have a part of your brain called the hippocampus, and your hippocampus is what creates memories. It's what creates the narrative around every memorable interaction that you have. And in the book, I do talk about how we can use Stories, they can be factual, they can be fictional, they can be from books, they can be from real life, you know, it's all fair game. But we can use stories to help prepare our children for things that are coming up, be it something that's a new event or a type of behavior that we're going to expect for something they haven't experienced before or what have you. We can use stories in the moment when our children's behavior might be going sideways or they need support supports in some ways, we can use stories then. And oftentimes those stories take the form of play. And I talk in the book about how to do that. And we can also use stories retroactively for healing. Perhaps something didn't go as planned or perhaps there was a loss or a potentially traumatic event. When we use stories effectively, we can help our children create what's called a coherent narrative, which basically means we help them make sense of the story. And by the way, inner child comes in here too, because we can create a coherent narrative for ourselves and heal. And when we do this, rather than carrying around toxic shame, we can actually learn and heal from our life experiences so that they can become teachers instead of things that harm us down the road. So I've got all the details of how to do it and specifically what it looks like in the book. But there's basically never a time when it doesn't work. And even better, although the book is generally geared to parents and caregivers of younger children, the concepts never expire. My husband is 52 years old, and I use them with him all the time. So it's it's really magical that way. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we'll, we can do so much great work on ourselves, on our adult relationships, and, and with our children. It's it's uh, amazing what, starting at this one place, can really create. So you make, the, I can see this, you create a peaceful family that ripples out to create your peaceful neighborhood that ripples out for the town, the state, the country, the world then. 
Exactly. Yes, Kate, that is exactly what we're trying to accomplish here. I truly believe that this can be world-changing work that starts at home. So the book we've mentioned, but to mention it again, Peaceful Discipline, Story Teaching, Brain Science, and Better Behavior, available at all of our favorite book sources, correct? That is correct. And to connect with you, to find you, uh, I know you have your website, there's Facebook, Instagram. What is the website? Sure. The website is dandelionseeds.com. There is a hyphen, so it's dandelion hyphen seeds.com. And there is just such a wealth of information as well, used in tandem with the book and because there's the updates with your blogs or going back in time to some of the earlier ones, just such a wealth of information, right? Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I also do have more than 40 mini courses that are video-based generally very short, very accessible, because I know that there is a certain percentage of the population, and especially a lot of dads, not to generalize, but I, a lot of my clients for the many courses are dads, or other people who say, I don't have time to read a whole book. Where else can I get information? Well, I certainly recommend the book, obviously, but I've got these little snippets and video mini, mini courses that are accessible for people as well. And that's ex- access through the website, right? Exactly. Great. Oh, Sarah Moore, you have just really brightened up not just this day, but but the whole year ahead, uh, just with so much hope as to what can be done. It really is doable. And I think that's, we need to know that it can be done and then how to get there. And you're providing all of that for us. Thank you so much. You are so kind, and I really appreciate you and everyone out there who is willing to take the first step to healing whatever needs to be healed. You are doing life-changing work. And thank you again, Sarah Moore. It's been just so wonderful, and I look forward to having further conversations with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Sarah Moore and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dean Regas. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of creating the good, loving bond in the family. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.